Hi, I'm Ryan Dodge-Cook and this is Summit to Talk About, your one-stop podcast for all things hiking, hills, wild camping and the great outdoors. So if that sounds like a bit of you, you've landed in the right place and you should definitely check out all the previous episodes from all three series of The Pod. Well, things have been a bit busy in my house for the past three weeks as Monty the cockapoo settles in. He's a little butte, but that's only when I'm not mopping up his wee. I've not had any big days out for a while, but I've been getting my fresh air hits in in small local walks where I can. And I have to admit, the shorts have been swapped out as the temperatures have dropped and the days have become shorter. So make sure that you're getting out as much as you can and making the most of those daylight hours where you can. But when the weather is bad and the days are short, it's actually the perfect time to start planning your 2023 hiking adventures. And what better way to do that than with Hiker. Hiker is the best app for all your mapping and GPS needs right at your fingertips. Hiker have taken the stress out of your planning with thousands of trails preloaded into the app all over the world from shorter day hikes to multi-day adventures. Choose your favorite map layers and plan your hikes with loads of information along your route. Download the app right now by hitting the link in the show notes and start exploring straight away. In this episode, I'm joined by Lisa Padley, also known as Lisa Outdoors, who went from the corporate lifestyle to being intentionally unemployed in order to follow a more outdoorsy life. She's a keen hiker and wild swimmer and shares her outdoor adventure through her social media and her blog. Listen out for Lisa's top tips for women who'd like to get out into wild camping for the first time. I hope you enjoy listening and I'll catch up with you afterwards. Okay, so I'm now joined by Lisa Padley, also known as Lisa Outdoors on Instagram by no fewer than 28,500 of you beautiful followers. Um, welcome onto the podcast, Lisa. Thanks for having me. <laughs> No, it's um, it's my pleasure, and I always like getting recommendations, and I, I often say I like getting feedback on on uh, social media because, weirdly, I know how many people listen to the podcast, and um, I get those figures every week, but I don't get to to speak to many people or don't get to know if the podcast is working or hitting the right ears. So, um, yeah, on a recommendation, you have arrived here at the podcast. Um, so, big thanks to Kev. I'll just give him a quick shout out now. Um, and, and he actually put me in touch with you about a year ago, didn't he? So we we did chat, but we couldn't find a, a mutual date and we just sort of lost touch. But here we are again. Kev's uh, Kev come back to the rescue and he's put us back in touch. Mm-hmm. And uh, within two days, here we are back on the podcast. So thank you very much for doing yep, this at short finally. notice. <laughs> yeah, finally. Um, no worries. But having seen your Instagram and following your links into um, your blog, you've lived an interesting an interesting life in that you've changed what you do. And, and I've spoken to people in the past on the podcast who have uh, given up jobs or given up where they live to go and go and follow the outdoors lifestyle or, or follow a more adventurous life. Um, and you've done that in a big way. And I want to delve into that quite a bit in a while, if we can. But mm-hmm. as with everybody on the podcast, I'll go back to the beginning. Um, and that's normally childhood. Uh, it is for most people, actually. <laughs> that's a stupid thing to say. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, childhood's generally the start. Yeah. So let's go back to your childhood and uh, find out if there's anything within your childhood that sort of sowed that seed of uh, being a lover of the outdoors and wanting to live that lifestyle. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I was lucky enough to kind of grow up in Yorkshire, um, where my parents live. The hills and the moors are just out the back door. So as a child, we kind of went out a lot. Um, though my parents find it quite amusing now that I do spend so much time outdoors because they used to have to force me out the door. Um, <laughs> definitely wasn't something I say I'd enjoyed as a child. Um but yeah, kind of as I got older, I joined like the guides and the brownies and kind of worked my way up through all the different levels, including rangers, which was when me and my friends were teenagers. Um, and at the time, that really wasn't very cool. So it was very <laughs> under wraps that we used to go to rangers on, I don't know, a Tuesday night, whatever it was. Um, one of my friend's mums actually ran it. Um, so we kind of had a lot of control over what we did. and how we used our funds which was really good um and through that I did my Duke of Edinburgh um which definitely kind of gave me a taste of the hiking and the camping and and all that jazz yeah um I think that builds a foundation somewhat as well doesn't it because if you've never been ex- you've never been exposed to that kind of thing during childhood I, and I find this now that the people that I've chatted to who have never done any camping throughout their life uh, particularly in the younger years find the idea of going camping just alien and they're like well but how do you how do you wash your hair and how do you keep your clothes clean and all of those kind of things because they've never been exposed to it at a younger age but i think it builds the foundations even if you don't enjoy it at the time you definitely get used to being even just sleeping on the floor it's you know it's it's a weird thing to do particularly if you've never done it as a child yeah i mean my friends a lot of the time when we had sleepovers we choose to camp in the garden rather than sleep in the house so we just set the tent up camp out in the garden cook ourselves breakfast in the morning and that was kind of like a normal weekend <laughs> yeah and and that's childhood adventure at its best isn't it i think um yeah definitely so what happened after that you 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 sort of you were hitting teenage years here already and you were doing that throughout your teenage years um and i think again for me it's, it's very similar i did the same uh scouts up until that point where you you meet your mates and you want to stay out at night and get up to no good, that kind of stuff. Um, and then generally, I find that most people get to that point where they hit 18 and they hit the drinking scene and going mm. out clubbing and camping's just not a thing back in, in those sort of uh, those sort of ages. So how, how was it for you after that? Um, I think my school in particular was very cliquey, um, kind of very Mean Girls-esque. Um, life and it was very difficult trying to find your niche and trying to find where you fit in and I kind of didn't really fit in anywhere so I sort of did everything I could to try and find my place and be accepted I guess by all these different groups of people and that was one of the big things that is kind of a no-no at that age and so I sort of stopped doing a lot of the things that I enjoyed really to try and fit in which looking back is really sad but at the time yeah. you're like well that's just life and these things aren't cool so I'm not going to do it anymore mm. I think that's the struggles and children these days and young people these days because they've got even more pressures upon them because of social media mm. there's no hiding away from anything you can't just go home and that's it you've got all right. that social media is still there your friends are still surrounding you your enemies almost are still surrounding you um so yeah I don't envy young people these days but I completely see where you're coming from yeah I was lucky enough, though, that my um, grandparents lived in uh, Cumbria and so all of the the school holidays and we'd go over there a lot and spend a lot of time up in the Lake District. 
that's um again i think that those things you don't really realize at the time do you i think that you, you look back and you think yeah those are the reasons why i really love the outdoors because i've been exposed to it at a young age i've been going to places like the lake district and that definitely sows the seed for for wanting more um so how often did you go across to the lake district um so i think it would be most sort of school holidays um because my dad worked full time um so my mum used to take us over and we'd sort of go stay with them and then he'd come join us at weekends so kind of a minimum Mm. at least three four times a year um and he'd grown up in Keswick. Um, my grandma had grown up in the Lake District as well. So we kind of have a lot of places that mean a lot in sort of family history. So even though I've never lived there, for me, the lakes kind of feels like home. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the biggest draw now to me spending so much time up there is just that familiarity. Yeah, I can. Well, <laughs> I don't know anybody who's been to the Lake District and come back and said, yeah, that weren't much, was it? <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> too much <laughs> rain. It's rubbish. I'm not going there. It's too Too hilly. Um, yeah it's it's just one of those captivating places uh for me it is anyway um and if you've got that family tie those family ties there uh, and it makes you feel like home then i can understand that do you where are you living now um yorkshire so not too far from leeds right okay because uh we'll we'll delve in as we as we follow this timeline of your life we'll delve into how you've moved to different areas because you went to university didn't you yeah, yeah, in Northumbria, up in Newcastle. In Northumbria, right. So that was your probably your first move away, I guess. Yeah, my first kind of taste of freedom outside of the village that I grew up in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and big the the sort of big city life and the university life. It's uh, I can imagine that being very different. Um. Yes, it was, and I think again that kind of it was a very similar feeling to school. Um, a lot of the people from my school and kind of the surrounding areas all went to Northumbria. So it wasn't really an escape from that situation that I was in, in terms of fitting in and those kind of pressures. So that sort of just continued um, throughout my time at uni. And again, looking back, knowing that Northumberland was on the doorstep and there was all this amazing scenery and incredible waterfalls that I just not once went and visited. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, do, we don't, though, do we? We, we fall into a bubble. Um, I never went to university, but I can imagine university life is difficult anyway in terms of trying to manage your time between either a part-time job or earning money or placements or studying. Um, So it's not the sort of thing you would do and and go off hiking and walking around and exploring. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, Northumbria is a beautiful place, but no doubt you've been back since um, or Uh, or plan to. Yeah. (laughs) So university then, what did you study? Uh, Psychology. Right. Okay. Right. I'll be careful what I say then. Um, <laughs> I can't remember anything, so <laughs> I wouldn't worry. Too long ago okay. now. <laughs> so that's even that's quite varied. In that, I'm just thinking about the the things that I've read about your life in terms of career paths and job choices, because you didn't go on to do that, did you? As no. Such. So when I was kind of finishing up, I had thought about kind of going into counselling, um, but that would have meant several more years at university. And at the time, I couldn't think of anything worse than continuing studying. Um, And I just felt this overwhelming pressure to just get a job. Um, And I think partly put on myself and partly just society that that's that's what you do from school. 
it was yeah. very much a case of we didn't really have a choice. You went to university, like they didn't tell us any other options. That mm. the school that I was at, that was the only way to go. So you sort of feel this pressure. I've got to get to uni. I've got to get a good job, um, and it's kind of ingrained into you. Yeah, I think that schools need to. I think, well, the education system, we'll go off on one a little bit here. <laughs> in my opinion, by the way, this is a, by no means the opinion of anybody else, um, unless they wish, they wish to. But in my opinion, I think the education system does need to change in respect of how it how it sort of pressurises people into going on to do other things. Um, and obviously that's changed a lot. You hear about um, the, the generation above us, our parents' generation, saying that they'd went into the careers office and they were told, no, you'll, that, you'll never do that. You need to go and do this because you're not clever enough, et cetera, et cetera. And it has changed since then. Um, yeah. But I think, like you say, to be told that, yeah, university, in no uncertain terms, university is the way you, you need to go, it doesn't give you that option. And you feel like you've gone off the rail slightly if you deviate from that and think, well, well I'm not doing the right thing. I'm not doing what I should be doing. And and that's the, that's the wrong message to be giving people because, as you found out later on, that's not what you wanted to do. And mm. you, you, we all change. I mean, at, at that age, university age and uh, leaving school kind of age, we, we most people, I'll say, don't know what they want to do at that age. Um, no. You don't, you don't stand you don't stand there at 15 years old and say I want to do this and go into it and be successful and enjoy it. Not many people do. I agree. Yes, there are people out there who know what they want, but I don't know anybody uh, within my circle of friends or family who knew at that age exactly what they were going to be doing when they grew up. No. Um, so it's, I mean, it's almost like we should be told to go off and and travel for a couple of years and and find out what we want to do, but. We know that's not always feasible. Mm. Um, and there's also the side of it as well, that we don't know what jobs exist. At that age, you've been exposed to such a narrow selection of what there is out there that there's oh, yeah. hundreds of thousands of jobs that until you're sort of in the real world and speaking to people and finding out what all these things are that you just don't know about. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. And just think like... When I was at school, the things that I was interested in or the things that I enjoyed were the things that were pushed upon me because I didn't know anything outside of that. So, for example, design technology. We'll just use mm. that as an example. You do that at school, and so you think, right, well, I could be a carpenter um, because that's the only thing you can think of that, that is associated with something you know. You yeah. don't think of the, all the other things like psychology. At the age of 15, I would never have known what a psychologist was because that mm. just wasn't something that was – in my in my vocabulary or in my life anywhere so you're right there are so many different careers and we don't get exposed to them we don't get enough information on the different careers and jobs that are out there mm -hmm. and in particular um even if it's not just careers we don't know what we like at that age because we've not tried yeah. it we've not been out so the outdoors for example we might have done a bit of duke of edinburgh but we don't know what jobs are associated with that how does that pan into real life yeah, you can be an outdoors instructor. You could be a mountain leader. You could do, you could do anything. Travel and tourism is one option, but that's generally sort of sat behind an office selling holidays, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So yeah, you, yeah, a little bit of a rant there, but yeah, I think the education system needs to uh, open open our eyes a little bit more to what is out there. Um. Definitely. But anyway, we'll go from uh, your university psychology. Um, yeah. And then you went off to do what instead? Um, so I got a job on a um, graduate scheme 
with a big corporate company. Um, I was due to go traveling with some friends. Um, they were going to South America, but then I kind of got this job offer through and kind of felt that pressure to actually, I can't turn this down. I can't postpone it. So I didn't end up going, going away with my friends and took this job. Um, and that took me to Birmingham originally. Um, so I was kind of very central, busy city life that just wasn't for me at all. Um, eventually I did manage to kind of get it moved. So I'd met my ex-husband at university. Um, he was down in Reading. So I kind of moved my job down to Reading so that we could move in together. Um, and I was kind of doing project management work, um, site mobilization. So it was a catering company and we we're kind of setting up um, new catering sites, all very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I completely understand that. When you talk about the, some of the things that you're involved in in work to other people, they're like, that sounds really boring. Um, but you're right, you fall into this trap, don't you? And yeah. it pays the bills and it pays well. And you, you yeah. sort of, a lot of people do this. And, uh, you know, I'm the same at this minute in time. I'm trapped by a wage and by a good pension um, and the stability of work and all of those things. But it doesn't make me happy between the hours of eight and five. I am not happy at all. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we do fall into this trap. And um, I, th- I suppose the dream is to to do something you enjoy. And yeah. I'm guessing that's what you, you sort of thought as well at that point. Yeah. And I think the biggest issue with that was the traveling um, because it was kind of opening up new sites. I could be anywhere in the country. So I'd be in Cornwall for a week and then Manchester for a week. And considering me and my ex had just moved in together, it was a lot of pressure. And I was spending Mm. a lot of time on my own, a lot of time driving places. um, And I just wasn't enjoying the job. Um, So, so yeah, I I kind of packed that in and got a job um, at the company that my ex-husband was working at, kind of just in administration. Um, Again, kind of worked my way up and just got to a point where it was just too much and it wasn't just the nine to five it was the Mm. evenings and the weekends and that Sunday night dread of oh god I've got to be in work tomorrow and all these things that I haven't done and it it was just too much and I I got in a really negative place with it all um but yeah I felt this massive pressure for what I need to earn and I need to keep progressing and yeah yeah I I get that completely I do um uh, I've luckily just moved into a new role. Uh, I say luckily, I'm still still living that nightmare of, <laughs> oh, I've got to do this tomorrow. I've got to do that. I've got to get this ready on time, and, and phones ring in or whatever. Um, yeah. But I spent I spent time doing a job um, for nearly seven years where I was driving up and down the country, living in hotels, living out of a suitcase, um, in different parts of the country, and that takes its toll on you because mm-hmm. you don't get to enjoy the things you want to do and. I did get to a point where I was starting to think, right, I'm actually going to actively go outside this evening, wherever I am in the country, and I'm going to go and find somewhere to, to go and hike or uh, just have a mooch about because you get sick of like living in a hotel and eating hotel food and all of those things. And I know it sounds like like first world problems, but um, it does have an effect on you. And, and you know, you need that stability sometimes of being at home. Um, so... You got to the top of that. You'd had enough. What did you do from there? Um, 
so I got to the point I kind of I just broke and I handed my notice in I didn't have a plan um at the time me and my ex-husband were in a place where financially we were stable enough um on his income and on savings that I I could do that without worrying too much about how long it would take to find a job um in the sort of period through my notice period I found a local nursery that did an apprenticeship. So I trained as a nursery nurse and spent two years looking after toddlers and absolutely loved it. Um, Again, kind of during this whole time, I didn't go outside, really. We'd maybe go for like a little walk to the park or, but we didn't hike. Um, I'd still not kind of found that safe space. So I think I didn't really have an outlet. I'd through that whole time at school and university, I'd lost sight of all the things that I enjoyed. Um, and then kind of being in this relationship, like we were happy, but we just didn't, I think we'd compromised so much on so many things that we'd kind of met in the middle somewhere and just, we didn't have those outlets. We didn't really know actually what, what are our hobbies and what do Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing? Um, so yeah, I trained as a nursery nurse, did that for a little while, but the hours were really long um, so then I took a job as a teaching assistant at a local primary school, which had much better hours, school holidays and all this spare time, um, which was ideal. Um, and then it was kind of at that point that me and my ex-husband realised that actually we just wanted completely different things out of life. Um, he wanted to sort of settle down and move back near where all his friends were. And I kind of knew that I wanted more or wanted to experience more and travel and go places and do new different things um and so we ended up kind of going our separate ways and it was at this point that I sort of realized okay I've kind of taken all these financial cuts in my pay and now I need to figure out what on earth I'm doing with my life <laughs> yeah yeah I suppose you had a bit of an itch to scratch as well given that you didn't go to South America with your friends and that tra- yeah. like I said, I think that we we should all be given that opportunity to go traveling and and get that out of the way almost and and learn about ourselves and I yeah I can imagine that you you sort of thought well yeah I've still got things I need to do as well and yeah I mean for me I think that that would be my focus if that if I was in I'm thinking if I was to put myself in your shoes in that situation and what would I want to do well maybe I would want to go traveling. Maybe I would want to go and see the world a bit more because Mm. you get to a stage where that's just not feasible anymore as much as it was back then. So if that opportunity was to arise, I think I'd be all over it. Yeah. And then, so I started looking at sort of opportunities to do that and kind of registered for all these nannying sites with all the experience that I'd then sort of got in childcare. I thought, great, well, I could go anywhere in the world and go nanny for a year and just get that experience. Um, And I'd been chatting to a woman in the French Alps who had this incredible house and was like, yep, come live with us. We video called and then lockdown hit. Um, Ah. So my ex-husband had just moved out. We went into lockdown and I thought, right, I can't up and leave and go to another country when there's so much uncertainty around, well, what can I do? Am I just going to go and then be stuck in this person's house and not actually be able to explore or experience any of these things that are the main reason that I'm going for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh God, I can't imagine being stuck. Like, it's bad enough being stuck in our own houses back then, wasn't it? <clears throat> I yeah. can't imagine being stuck in someone else's house in, 
in a place that you don't really know, that would be just no. Oof, that would be hard. Yeah. So then it was kind of time to rethink. Um, my hours at work were cut down because we only needed to be in school when the key workers' kids were in. So I think I was working at the time half a day a week, and I'd got all this spare time, which is when then I started to get out and go hiking because there wasn't really a lot else to do. Mm. Um, and that's when you kind of, I guess it hit how much I loved it and how much, um, headspace it gave me going through such a difficult year or two. It was that freedom and that space to just kind of process everything that was going on. And though lockdown was kind of a bad time for a lot of people, I think for me, it was the best thing that could have happened at that time because if I hadn't been stuck there, I don't think I would have dealt with everything that was happening. And I think I would have just either gone off to another country or gone and visited friends and gone out and got drunk Mm -hmm. and kind of not dealt with everything in the way that it forced me to deal with everything. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely put a pause on life, didn't it? And to, to a lot of people, that's, that's a massive advantage, uh, particularly in the situation that you found yourself in where, you needed to sort of take stock and think about your next direction and but you, you couldn't rush into anything because that just wasn't a possibility so it sort of put a pause on things and allow people to think about what what direction they're going to go in next and we've seen a lot of changes uh since the end of lockdown how people have changed the way they work changed the way they live um and yeah. so yeah i think there is there's positives to take from it definitely so then you uh you you you, what did you decide to do after that? Because you you wasn't you wasn't able to go and do your, your nannying. Um, lockdown hit. You went hiking. You decided that yeah, I like a bit of this. Um, and then how did how did it come about that where you are now? Like you've changed from working in the corporate lifestyle to hitting lockdown and to deciding actually I don't want to be in that world anymore. I don't want to work and be uh, sort of driven by other people. Yes, I think having all that time um, to kind of fill, that was when I sort of started on Instagram and I joined um, several kind of local walking groups on Facebook just to get out and meet new people. Um, Because after kind of me and my ex separated, I realised I didn't have any local friends at all. All of our kind of friends that were local-ish were his friends. And in that situation, Mm. it's you kind of have to start over. Um, So I was sort of at what, 28, 29 in this position where I'm like, right, okay, I kind of need to figure out how to make friends again, which is yeah. quite a difficult thing to do when you get to that age because yeah. all your other friends it's you kind of like, meet. <laughs> it's not like children, is it, when they're in the park? Do you want to play with me? Yeah, let's exactly. play. And then they come up to you, Daddy, I've made a new friend. Okay, that was easy. I don't think we can do that. <laughs> yeah. No, so that was it was a lot. Um, and I found it really overwhelming at first. I remember the first group walk that I went on and being sat in my car and kind of seeing this small group of people starting to gather. And I was like, I'm pretty sure they're the people that I'm supposed to be meeting, but do I just turn around and go home? And I was like, no, you need to kind of just push yourself out of this or else it's never gonna get any better. And so that was kind of one of the best things I ever did and pushing myself through that situation to, yeah. that first time of meeting these new people and being in that position um and it was it was such a great hike i met so many people so many like-minded people and that kind of just started the bug i guess of how 
freeing it is to be in those situations and the conversations that you end up having with complete strangers that Mm. you talk about all these in-depth details of your life and there was another girl there that has kind of just gone through a divorce and so just to have so much in common and be talking about all these things that you're like well I've not really spoken to anybody about this but it just feels right yeah and I think there's so many things that that owes to but we we're not, when we're walking we're not face down in a screen we're not sat in front of a laptop having meetings um the irony that we're doing that right now but we're <laughs> not we're not focusing on this world that doesn't really exist this social media life this um the, the instagram is a world of its own um and we're not focusing on all these things and trying to get likes or anything like that we're just in the moment and uh, and I've said this on previous episodes of the podcast when we're out walking we do open up and we say mm-hmm. things that we just wouldn't normally say to people and generally to people we we never met before because it is freeing you you're out yeah. there you're in nature and it just opens opens you up and it makes you feel like you can speak um and I suppose to it it wasn't easy during lockdown we all had that well we we weren't allowed to see people so that social that social block was there and then we had to rebuild that again and learn how to socialize again so that was yeah. so i can imagine it being difficult going into a group walk of people you never met for me i'll sit here and hold my hand up high that that is my worst nightmare um <laughs> even though i i've ran group walks and um i've i've been that awkward person even though it was my group walk and i've been like oh god do i talk to them do i not i don't know what to say because i'm just not a very social person in general um yeah it's almost quite forced to to socialize and but but you're right once you get speaking and that that energy starts to flow it's so much easier to talk to people and find out about people that's what i like doing about the podcast you'd speak to people and you've got something in common a love for the outdoors and it is generally quite easy to chat to people um so you, you how did that come about for you then so you, you started chatting to people and then did you just sort of start going on more and more group walks and think i can make a living out of this one way or did you just think or did that just happen was it a conscious effort or no um it it just sort of slowly happened not once did i ever think that i would ever get anything for free never mind be able to sort of make a little bit of a side income from things um it was just that love for meeting people and the connections that I made and the friends that I made. And I'd never had friendships like that or never been surrounded by people that were on the same wavelength in such a way. Um, so I think for me, it's definitely always been about that kind of social, the social side of it. Um, and then, yeah, from there, it kind of, I'd seen an advert for this course down in Yuki, um, to go train as an outdoor instructor and so that was kind of the next step was you know what we've just sold the house like I've got this lump of cash I'm just gonna go um Mm. I didn't have any ties to anything else I just felt like I needed something completely different um I guess as a kind of reset so so yeah then I just booked it I remember I'd found it online and I'd sort of rang my mum up and was saying like oh I've seen this and I'm thinking of doing it and she was just like what on earth like don't be so silly like you can't just up and go to new key and it's so much money and all of this and then the next day I rang her back I was like so I've paid my deposit um I'm going in September <laughs> <clears throat> and and was that a residential thing as well did you say 
Um, so you could get accommodation through them kind of at an extra cost, um, which I did just because I didn't want the stress of having to try find somewhere being so far Mm. away. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was kind of a three month, a three month course in everything water based. I'm going to say, so three months is a long time to learn about the outdoors. What, what sort of things did you cover? Um, so it's, so we did, uh, like bodyboarding, surfing, paddle sports, so kayaking and paddleboarding, um, a little bit of bushcraft It's kind of covered everything. <laughs> yeah. A broad yeah. spectrum of it pretty was a much lot. everything outdoorsy. And yeah. had you done any um, of these kind of things before? So I've done like an, the odd bit of kayaking through like brownies and guides and things. Um, I had done some paddleboarding um, and had my own paddleboard at this time. So that was kind of, I knew, but then surfing, I had been on one surf lesson at the wave. Um, yeah. So that was kind of my biggest challenge <laughs> and their biggest challenge, I think, trying to teach me to <laughs> surf at the same time as teaching me how to teach. <laughs> <laughs> What a great three months that must have been, though. It was. Um, it was a learning curve in so many ways. And again, just meeting people and more like-minded people and having that freedom. Like It was very intense. Um, we did mm. four days. Um, yeah, I think it was Monday to Thursday. Um, but most of the time we were out on the water all day. And this was from September till December. So it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> but i suppose in a way we'll we'll come on to this in a little while but cold water doesn't seem to phase you anymore so we'll, no. we'll come on to that in a, in a little <laughs> while it seems to be your uh your go-to doesn't it it um, is yeah. so how how did that come about then so you, you well you didn't you didn't sort of follow a career in that afterwards did you did you i think you decided that that wasn't really for you yeah, I think within kind of the first few weeks, really, of doing the course, I realised I didn't want to instruct. Um, and I think this is one of the things, because quite a few people have said to me, oh, why don't you train as a mountain leader or lead walks or something like that? And for me, that's kind of my space, safe space. That's what I enjoy doing. And I think hmm. if I was doing it to, if that pressure was on me to kind of look after and lead other people, I wouldn't get the same kind of pleasure from it as I do or the same escape from it. Um, And I think it was really similar with that, that I enjoy doing those things. And if I was teaching someone or taking someone out on a paddleboard session, I wouldn't be enjoying it the same. And I didn't kind of want to take away from that. Um, So yeah, I kind of, I'd got a part-time job whilst I was down there in a cafe. um, And then once the course finished, I thought, well, I kind of want to stay here for a bit because I want to experience the summer in Cornwall. Um, So I just took on extra hours at the cafe and ended up working there whilst kind of having the next nine months to just enjoy being by the coast. Yeah, I I don't blame you. And I suppose that that is your almost like a gap year, I guess. Yeah. Um, And that must have been, I mean going from working in that corporate lifestyle that you started off with to working in a cafe part-time and just adding a few extra casual hours on here and there that I can't imagine how how much of a you know how much of a big difference that must have made to your life was you a lot happier 
would you say? Yeah, yeah, completely. It was just a complete overhaul. And I didn't have any of those worries. Like I absolutely loved going into work because the girls I worked with were just fantastic. Like we were all such good friends that I was being paid to go spend the day with my friends and drink coffee and chat to all the customers. And we had so many locals. It was just such a nice environment. Um, and the owner of the cafe had made it such an incredible place that I fully loved being at work. So not once did I ever wake up and think, oh, I really, I really can't be bothered to go in. Yeah. I don't want to be there because I enjoyed it. Yeah. And and you've not got those pressures, have you? You don't you don't sort of lock up the co- the, the coffee shop at the, in the evening and go home thinking about having to do uh, meetings and presentations and all of those things. No, that nothing it, like that was it. Just switch off. At the end of the day, work, you're work done. To work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's. I think that we should all be able to do that, no matter what job we're in. But unfortunately, reality is very different, isn't it? Um, so mm. what happened then? Yes, because uh, you, you're in this job that you you loved this this working in the cafe. You're in Cornwall. You're visiting the sites and meeting new people. Um, wh- where did it get to the point where you thought I need to move away and try something different? I think um, I'd always knew I wanted to end up up north, um, and ideally in the Lake District is the ultimate plan. Um, and all my family's up north. So my, um, nephew is now just over one and my granddad's kind of 91. So it's both ends of the spectrum and they're both up north. Um, so I kind of wanted to make sure Mm. that I was around, um, and being down in Cornwall, it was six, seven hours to try get up north, um, and trying to fit in that journey you kind of got to do a minimum four days and trying to make four days to be able to get up and see people and get back down. It was just, it was near impossible to go visit any of my friends and family up North. Um, and also Cornwall is quite flat and as beautiful as the coast is, it's all very similar. And I guess (laughs) I just missed the mountains and having so many different places that are accessible, like from, from here, it's only a few hours to get to the Lake District or to Wales or to the Peak District. Whereas from there, the only place really you could get to was Dartmoor. And that was still a good two hour drive. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think I just I missed that flexibility of being able to see people and go to different places. And as much as I kind of loved the job and the ease of everything and how comfortable I was, I just felt like I needed to push myself a little bit and kind of figure out, well, what's the next step and what's, what's the next challenge. And what was the next challenge? Did I suppose the biggest challenge is moving up and starting all over again, again. Yeah. And it's definitely interesting. Um, having just turned 31 and moving back in with my parents. (laughs) Right. Okay. But it's, it's i think we it's a starting point isn't it and you you know you've you've had you've had that goal of i want to move back up north you've done that and i'm guessing you've now got a bit of a plan um as to as to where where you go next um sort of <laughs> no um, <laughs> <laughs> i think the hardest thing for me now is trying to figure out what i want to do um i it's just, it's so difficult going back to all those things we were talking about before, just trying to know what there is out there and what I can do. And because part of me wants to find something remote, 
it would be ideal. It means I can kind of go places and go spend a week here or there and still work and and manage it in that way. Um, but I don't know doing what. Um, it would yeah. be amazing if I could do something related to the outdoors. But again, I'm not sure what. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've kind of um, there was a book that I read um, a few months ago um, or that's all about kind of um, so it's called the adventure revolution. Um, and it's written by this woman who ran a lot of expeditions. Um, she'd been involved in, I think it was beyond boundaries. That was the series that was on BBC quite a few years ago, kind of taking celebrities with disabilities and taking them on these crazy expeditions all over the world. Um, and she'd written this book all about the links between um, the outdoors and adventure and the positive impact that it has on people's mental well-being. So it's full of all these case studies and research looking at these links. Um, and after reading it, I kind of found that she ran a conference that is taking place, I think it's in two weeks um, in Yorkshire. And again, this was one of those things right. that you kind of think, well, that just seems too ideal it's half an hour down the road from <laughs> mum and dad's like I'm not working um so I, I booked tickets to go to this conference um not really knowing what to expect but I just thought it's going to be full of like-minded people and I'm kind of hoping that that might give me some inspiration um mm. so there's loads of talks on kind of research and projects that are going on at the moment um looking at all the positive benefits of the outdoors um, and then I think there's a bit of like abseiling and bushcraft thrown wow. in as well. <gasps> yeah, perfect. It sounds like an ideal day out, um, particularly in your position where that, that's, I mean, that couldn't, it's all, like you say, it couldn't be more ideal, could it? It's come at the, the right time, the right place. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It's, it's exactly what you're looking for, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I hope I'm kind that, of that hoping... goes well for you. Thanks. Yeah, I'm hoping that it'll just, I guess, introduce me to some people and give me an idea of projects that are going on out there that either I could kind of get involved in in some way or might lead to a job somewhere down the line. Because I think, yeah, something that I could do that helps people see the benefits that can be gained from being outside, some mm. doing a job that involved that in some way would be amazing. Yeah, definitely. And I think that you've you've almost made the outdoors a big part of your life now and whether i think whether going forward you work within the outdoors and and that that's how you you go on to to make a career or either way i think that now it's going to be that much part a, a part of your life that work will not become it won't come first it will always be no. outdoors first whether that's part of your job or not yeah. um and i think that well, I know that if I was in your position, I wouldn't be looking to go back into a corporate world ever again once you've made that escape, and I think that that is the way forward. Yeah, um, I've got nothing against corporate corporate jobs, and if you enjoy your job, by all means, you, you stick with it, but I think for those people who have decided that's not for them, um, don't go back into it. <laughs> mm, um, yeah. So that's that's ideal that you, that you could be doing that then. Um, that sounds very interesting. I might come along. <laughs> um, right, so let's go into uh, your blog. I want to delve into that. So you, you started writing a blog. What what gave you inspiration to do that? Um, 
I think I started it through lockdown, um, but was kind of very sporadic with when I actually wrote things or posted things. It was kind of just a background like, oh, I've got nothing to do today. Maybe I'll, I don't know, write something or do something. And I think it's only kind of been maybe the last six months or so that I've actually spent more time doing it and kind of got into posting regularly. Um, And I've like, I found it really therapeutic, just writing stuff down. And quite a bit of the time I do get anxious about putting things out there. I am quite open with a lot of things and talk about, I don't know, a lot of personal stuff, but the feedback that I've had from people um, and when people relate to things and say how things have helped them, then that kind of just spurs you on and think, okay, right, well, people are getting something from it. So it's definitely worth my time doing it. Oh, definitely. Um, it, for those that are listening, we'll we'll put the links into the show notes um, so that people can so people can follow you, obviously, and uh, also read your blog because there's some great some great um, articles in your blog, um, some blog posts, well, articles. I don't know what you call them. Some great blog posts in there. Um, some are very informative for those that are are interested in the outdoors and the things that you get up to. Um, so we'll definitely put that link in there. Um, I want to move now into to the outdoors because you said about starting off going out hiking and joining uh, walking groups. Um, you've also got a big love for jumping in cold water, haven't you? And we, we sort of made reference to that <laughs> earlier on. So it, it, it's almost like when I, when I look at your Instagram, it's mostly you've got no legs because you're in the water at some point. <laughs> like for somebody who loves hiking, every every picture you're in the water and you've just got an upper upper part of your body is, is out and the rest of you is underwater so um what is it about being in uh cold water that you love so much uh, um so this the first time i went sort of cold water dipping i'll say dipping because i don't really swim it's very much a kind of submerge and conquer <laughs> rather than a lengthy yeah. swim um the first time i went was nearly two years ago um and in it was in december with one of the girls i met through one of the walking groups and she kind of messaged me i was like do you want to go for a swim and she took me to this quarry and it was snowy and (laughs) it was one of those moments where you think what on earth am i doing and it looked (laughs) so beautiful i was like no i'm here like i need to get in this water and i was probably in there for all of a minute and it was cold. Um, I don't think I've ever experienced anything quite that cold at the time. But I think I had so much going on. And this was kind of the early days of separating from my ex-husband and we we're trying to sell a house. And there was all these things going going through my head. And when you're in the water, you can't think of those at that time. No. All you can think about is I am cold. Yeah and yeah as it's kind of gone on it's it started off I think definitely as a a distraction um and a kind of way to switch off from everything else that was going on and you just can't think of anything else your brain just has to solely focus on dealing with that cold water um and the more it's gone on I think the more I get used to it and the more controlled I've become and it becomes a lot more about the breathing and everything else that's happening in your mind and your body and not just the it's really gold. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I've said this about about hiking, um, not so much just walking along, but when you find yourself in those sticky situations, like I'm talking scrambling, that kind of thing, or, um, you know, when you've got an exposed uh, ridge line or something along them lines and you, you think, if I don't concentrate on every single step or hand mm-hmm. placement at this point, I could die or, or yeah. get injured. And so that does take your mind off it. And people say, you know, well, how does hiking help you? Uh, your well-being and your mental health. Well, that that's the answer right there, and it's a s- similar thing to what you've just said. You can't think about anything else when you're in those situations because if you do, you're gonna well, you you're not gonna survive quite quite um quite as well. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I can understand that in the cold water, you can't think about oh, what have I got to do tomorrow? What oh, I've got to nip to nip to the supermarket on the way home. You're just concentrating on breathing and surviving yeah. and worrying that how how cold that water is <laughs> um but th- that sounds awful in a way it almost sounds like why would you do it then but there's obviously benefits to it and and you've just explained it there is because of that escapism i guess even if it's just for a minute um so you do that quite often now don't you yeah so at the moment i'm doing a challenge to go every day in october which i'm actually quite impressed with myself that i've kept it up so far on day 25 right. yeah wow <laughs> okay so um are you going to the same place every day or are you trying different places i'm trying to go different places um and that's definitely made easier at the moment with the fact that i'm not working and have a lot of time on my hands so my days are kind of structured around who's free and where can i go for a swim today <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you'll keep it up after October as we start going into the colder months? Definitely. Uh, maybe not every day, right. um, especially if I kind of manage to get a job soon and have to kind of get back into that more structured yeah. life. Um, but yeah, no, I'll definitely keep going. Like there's just so much research in the benefits that it has. And though I'm I'm not good at remembering facts and figures or things and reeling them off the top of my head. There is a lot of research out there. Um, But I think one of the main things is the fact that it kind of helps your body deal with stress and it teaches you how to deal with those stressful situations. So you kind of find that when something else happens in your life that's completely not related to the outdoors, just any general stressor in life, that all of a sudden you can deal with it slightly better than you could before. And whether it is the breathing techniques or just sort of taking a minute to kind of stop and process things rather than just reacting straight away that that's when you kind of realize oh well this is having an impact on other areas of my life yeah i suppose when you're in the water and that that cold water that shock hits you, you you can't just panic and react in 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 any any other way than to keep calm um and I suppose that's the transferable skill, I guess, mm. uh, when you talk about dealing with stress. You can't just sort of react or run away from it. You have to just deal with it in a calm manner. Um, so that makes sense. And, I mean, you're right. There is a lot of research on cold water therapy, if you want to call it that. And uh, there's the the Wim Hof. He's, he's very well known for that. And there was even the TV program on it, wasn't there? So... Um, I've only done it the once yeah. and that was this year you know I went went for a dip in a river and it is well first of all it is cold and that was in the summer <laughs> uh, but secondly <laughs> it is it's just invigorating isn't it it's that yeah. feeling that you get when you're in there and when you come out it's just it really is invigorating and 
something I'll definitely do again. It's not something that's put me off. I loved every second of it. Second, we'll use the word second. Um, <laughs> but no, I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> so you're off out today. Um, so come rain or shine, I guess you've been in in the water. Yeah, yeah. I went out first thing this morning. Actually, there's a kind of a, a lot going on at the moment, sort of family life wise, and I just I really really needed it, and I did get a bit concerned because um, the river that's closest to mine I can't go in in my village because it's down river of a sewage outlet which is delightful oh, right, so I've okay. kind of got to drive a yeah. bit to get a bit further up river where it's um cleaner but the water levels this morning mm. were extremely high so I was kind of walking along like Ooh. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get in there it's blowing very very quickly but thankfully yeah. the spot that I go in it's quite deep and on a bend so it's really wide um so there was like a safe yeah. little pool to be able to get in which was a massive relief because i knew i really really needed it this morning <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 even um even you just saying you know you needed it it's become a part of your life that you know is beneficial to you because you know that you need to get in that cold water you need to have that invigorating feeling because it it obviously reduces stress and anxieties all of those things um and takes your your mind off of the everyday life yeah um which is i mean so there must be there must be those real benefits to it yeah um, definitely yeah so let's go into hiking then um you you obviously enjoyed hiking is is working as a mountain leader something on on your cards or or is that not again going back to the instructing side of things is that something that you're not that into i think it would be too much pressure for me um and i think i just wouldn't enjoy it um i get i do get quite stressed with things and anxious and worried and being responsible for people in those kind of difficult situations i think for me then it would take away the pleasure that i get from hiking generally um mm. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that's that's the path for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're honest, because again, people in the who want to get into outdoors work, um, it's almost like that's the path people tend to choose, mm. um, and it's it, it seems like the obvious choice to do. And but you're right, you, if you're not if you're not fully into it, then you just don't do it. Because I'm guessing there are people who feel like they they must do that and. Um, it's nice to be able to say no I'm not I'm not about that you know I want to enjoy it and I think you're right when we're out there and we get that feeling of uh, freedom and just enjoying it and that pace of of life that we fall into when we're out out hiking you don't get that when you you're leading groups because you're constantly thinking aren't you you're thinking mm -hmm. right have I got everybody um, is everybody safe is everybody warm and fed does anybody need yeah. a break um what's the weather saying it, it, there's a lot going on and, and that can take away the enjoyment of it yeah there's quite a few people so, i know that i think have followed their hobbies for jobs that nearly all of them have kind of turned around later and said just don't do it because it does just take away yeah. that enjoyment element from the things that you love mm, yeah i can see that i mean we all want to do the we, we want to work in a job that we enjoy but mm. if if our escape is going hiking or going uh, cold water swimming or anything to do with outdoors, if that's our escape, we've no longer got that. Yeah. We'll have to find something else to fill that void. So, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. So what um, what big things have you got coming up aside from um, 
sort of working out which career path you're next going to go down um let's talk about hobbies rather than than work what's your your big plans have you got any any sort of hiking uh goals planned um so i don't have anything planned as such um i do definitely want to try get out and do um kind of a longer distance multi-day hike i think is the next thing on my list um when I was down south, I finally managed to get out wild camping and and on my first solo wild camp, which for me was like a really big thing that I wanted to tick off. Um, so kind of now I've done that, I'm like, right, I want to go for a few days and kind yeah. of get that in. Um, but I think probably now probably isn't the right time of year as it's getting colder and shorter days. So yeah. I think that's probably going to be a <laughs> spring problem, target. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the issue with, I mean, you, you'd find that most of the trails will be quiet, which mm-hmm. is great, um, but you've you've got those shorter days. Unless you don't mind walking in the dark in the evenings and setting up setting up camp in the dark, you're going to find yourself in the tent for a long period of time, yeah. right, until the, the sunlight the next day. Um, it, it's, it's coming up to 12, well, it's just 12 months now that I finished the West Island Way, and yes, the clocks haven't gone back yet, but it was dark at sort of half six ish i want to say um if not a little bit earlier when i when i was doing it and that's a long time to be sort of sat around in your tent particularly if the weather's awful as well um so it's it's more of a spring thing isn't it i say or summer if you can handle the heat um from what heat we get yeah um so how can people follow you um on the social media platforms on various social media platforms we've got because um i know that you we've spoke about your blog um you've just mentioned now about your wild camping um i'm guessing that you there's either blogs in the on there um articles on there or there will be uh, about your wild camping adventures your multi-day hiking adventures when that comes um so how can people follow you and follow your blog as well um yeah so that's there is a couple of posts on there, I think, around camping and um, how I found it going out on my own. Um, but yeah, so the blog is just lisaoutdoors.co.uk. Um, um, and Instagram is my main kind of what I use most of the time, which is lisa.outdoors. Um, very original. <laughs> <laughs> but easy to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they're the main channels um, that I'm using at the moment. Okay, so make sure you go and give uh, Lisa a follow on those things and check out the blog. And the the wild camping thing is a big one, uh, particularly for solo females, because that we I, I've seen many many posts about um, uh, solo wild camping, even just across the board, but uh, particularly uh, females who who are anxious about going solo wild camping and. Um, the, the fears that that might might sort of spring upon you. Have you got any top tips for people, uh, particularly uh, women who might want to go wild camping on their own? Um, so one of the things that I found most beneficial was reaching out to other women and girls that do it already um, and kind of speaking through those anxieties that I had um, and getting tips from people that do it regularly. Um, so there's one girl that I've followed for quite a while now called Sarah, who is, I think, fit for adventure on uh, Instagram, who is just amazing. Like the adventures that she goes on and the trips that she's done is just incredible. So I've, I've reached out to her quite a few times kind of to just ask questions. Um, and that's one of the best things, I think, about that outdoors community 
especially on Instagram, is how willing to help people are. Um, so there's a lot of people that if you just drop them a message and ask them questions about things, they'll be more than happy to help you out and give you tips on on getting out there. Um, but yeah, for me, I think one of my biggest anxieties was that kind of, A, just having all that time to myself um, and B, just being out there on my own. And I was absolutely amazed once I was there. It didn't even cross my mind once that I was scared. Um, I just enjoyed it so mm. much. And the place I was in was so beautiful that I just enjoyed every second of it. And I was I surprised myself that I didn't get anxious about it when I was actually in it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think your first one is always the is always the one that you worry about on your way to go and do it. But once you've set up and, you know, evening starts to draw in, you realise that you are on your own and all those those fears that people generally have of what if somebody comes and, and wakes me up, what if there's an axe murderer waiting to you know, how many axe murderers are walking <laughs> around in the in the hills or the mountains <laughs> yeah. late at night looking for a victim it's yeah. you know they've got to be into hiking first of all so that mm. narrows down the community somewhat <laughs> um but <laughs> they'd, they'd be much more successful doing that down in towns and villages where there are plenty of people um i'm not giving any axe murderers tips here by the way i'm just <laughs> trying to ease ease people's anxieties on going wild camping for the first time <laughs> yeah i think my biggest worry was the cows <laughs> Well, the, yeah, absolutely, because um, they don't have, um, they don't care. They will not yeah. judge who you are. They will trample you if they, if mm -hmm. you camp in the wrong place. So, um, again, I'll I'll reiterate at this point that if you're going wild camping, make sure you do your research. Uh, follow the leave no trace principles. Don't camp in someone's uh, in someone's field, particularly if there's animals in there. Um, yeah. make sure you do your research on that. But yeah, if people can follow your blog and, and there's tips and there's helpful advice in there, um, then then go off and do that. Uh, and, and Lisa, I'm guessing, I'm, I might open up the floodgates here, I'm guessing you are there um, to, to answer anybody's questions if they've got those questions coming your way. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Right then, I'm going to say thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting to you and learning about how you went from such a, a a corporate lifestyle and that living almost living to work to mm -hmm. now you at a point where you're looking to work um uh, sorry you're looking to just live really regardless yeah. of how how work comes along so it's really quite refreshing to to hear that and I, i'm suppose I, I guess that there's a lot of people that can resonate with that situation and would love to be able to follow those footsteps um so i really appreciate your time uh, chatting to us this morning um I will get the uh, the links for your Instagram and for your blog onto the show notes so that people can come follow you. And uh, thank you very much for, for coming onto the podcast. Thanks for having me. What a fantastic chat that was with Lisa. I think we can all take something from that in terms of reviewing your own work-life balance. Be sure to check out Lisa's Instagram and her blog. I hope you've enjoyed listening and as always, thank you very much. I do see the listener numbers and I'm overwhelmed every week with the amount of support and great feedback that I get from you. If you'd like to support me and the podcast further, you can join the Patreon supporters community by following the link in the show notes. With three different supporters tiers to choose from, you can bag yourself some cool something to talk about stickers, badges and postcards 
or you can go one step further and get your hands on a shiny and exclusive Summit Else sticker and access to the bonus Summit Else content. A new episode of Summit Else will be dropping very soon for supporters. If you do enjoy listening to the podcast, please spread the word to new listeners and hit the five-star review button on your podcast platform. It helps the podcast become easier to discover for new listeners. Thank you again. Keep putting one foot in front of the other and I'll see you in the next one.